0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Second Kings. I was praying this week. I wanted an illustration. We were in Numbers 14 last week. We ended up there talking about unbelief, how it gets you out of the will of God, gets you into trouble. It always does. The two types of unbelief, anybody remember that? There was the unbelief that came uh, through ignorance. The Apostle Paul talked about how he persecuted the church, raked havoc, but he did it uh, 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 through unbelief. Did it through ignorance. Actually, I said through ignorance and unbelief. And how there is unbelief that is uh, just... Ignorance. You just don't know. Amen. And then there's the kind of unbelief that is a defiance. That you get the information you know and you just know. You just don't accept it. Now let me just say this up front. It's better to err on the side of being wrong when it comes to what God says than than to be right. Amen. And just be defiant. You say, what do you mean by that? If I just think it's God... I'll go ahead and act on it and believe it and allow the Holy Ghost to make the adjustment if it's not right. You say, why would you do that? It helps keep my heart right. let will give you, give you for a little bit further uh, illustration. I really don't like any unbelief. And I say things up here sometimes that really shock people, but it's guarding my beliefs. I remember a couple of times I've said, uh, uh, you know, I believe Jesus was born on December 25th. And people look at me like, are you out of your mind? Well, I really uh, I don't want to argue with you. I really don't want to see your notes and all your CDs and videos and all that stuff. But the reason I say that is, is I just don't want to not believe it. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? I just don't, I just don't want to give unbelief any angle at all in my life. So there are several things that are questionable that I just believe it. I just choose to believe it instead of being like everybody else who doubts it. Because anything that you doubt like that, you're conditioning doubt into your life. Ooh, should I say that, Lord? That's why it behooves you not to lie. You say, why is that? Because if you lie and you have lying in the repertoire of your communication, you're going to have a hard time believing God. It'll make it hard for you to believe God. You say, now why would it be hard for me to believe God? It's because you're saying something that is untrue, so you're conditioning yourself to untruths. Amen. And there's been times when people are just, oh Pastor, you just need to, you know, give you know give up a little bit. You know. No, no, no. I'm not gonna compromise the truth of the Word of God by even getting into what they call gray areas. Amen. You say, why? Because I'd rather establish truth in my life, then I would open any door for doubt or unbelief. So there's unbelief because of ignorance, and there's unbelief that's just defiance. So we went over there, and we looked at the children of Israel. It came time to go into the promised land. They were at a, at a place called Kadesh Barnea. And from there, they sent out 12 spies, and they went and spied out the land. And the Bible says 10 of them came back. with a, What the Bible says was an evil report. And what they did is they viewed the land in their own inability. And when they saw the land in their own inability, they could not see how they could go in and get it. But they forgot God. And anything you view in your own inability, you'll always forget God. So they brought up an evil report, and the entire congregation or the nation of Israel fell into that trap. And they moaned, and they groaned, and they cried, and and they, you know, would God, uh, you know, we were back in Egypt, or would we die in the wilderness? And they renamed the land, amen, a land that eats us up instead of a land that flows with milk and honey, like God said. And, and they all, listen, they all ended up dying in the wilderness. Now, they made a statement, would that we died in the wilderness, or our children died in the wilderness, instead of having to go in and possess that? And God actually said, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do. Amen. They ended up getting what they said, because that's the principle God operates by. So, the character traits of submission and humility in the kingdom of God are the strongest character traits of Christ that you can develop. But you have to be willing to do it. The Bible says to submit yourself, humble yourself. So it's an act of your own will. Amen. We talked about this the week before, how people say things like, well, submission is really easy for me. Well, you don't know what it is. That's why you make statements. Well, submission is a real easy thing for me. No, you don't know what it is. Because things that you really have to submit to, uh, I think people get submission confused with agreement. You say, well, I agree with you know, giving the missions. I agree with building the building. I agree with this. I agree with that. Well, that's, that's not submission. That's agreement. Submission is where you totally disagree. You totally disagree, but you still submit to it now, I'm not saying you need to submit to anything that's criminal, anything that's immoral, anything that's unrighteous. I'm just talking about there are things in the kingdom of God you just might not agree with. And you might, you might want to do things. You might want to, uh, you know, I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that. Why can't I do it in the church? And, and we say, well, no, you can't do it now or it's not time for that. But you, you listen, you think I should have the right to do that, but you've got to, listen, you've got to submit to the authority of the church and what they think you ought to do. That church is not a commune. Boy, I didn't give me any amens on that one, did it? It's not. And let me say, this might really go over real big. A church is not a democracy. You say, what is it? It's a theocracy. You say, what is a theocracy? It's God's in charge. And see, then people say, well, does God just speak to the pastor? Well, what do you think? That's the same thing they said back in Israel. Does God just speak to Moses? Well, you know the answer to that? Yes. He makes one person responsible, speaks through that person, and that person has to implement it, right or wrong, good or bad, ugly or beautiful. <laughs> Amen. And you must understand, that doesn't mean we don't take counsel. That doesn't mean we don't listen to people. That doesn't mean we don't have, you know, talk uh, to other pastors, other ministers. That doesn't mean that. What that means is someone has to make a decision. Amen. And at the end of the day, you have to support that decision no matter what it is. Now, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I've been looking in the Scripture, and I could come up with a couple of things that were kind of, I think we could have bumped up against this a little bit, but it really wouldn't carry the weight of what I wanted it to carry. And so as I was praying and meditating, the Lord spoke to me and said, this is where you need to go, this is what you need to preach, and this is how you need to preach it. It's really cool when God does that. You say, how do you know? Because I know God's speaking to you. Are speaking to me when he does that. So go to 2 Kings chapter 5, and we've looked at this story from so many different angles from faith, from, from, from uh, 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 unbelief, from all. But think of this tonight as looking at it from the angle of humility and submission for the purpose of the will of God being done. Now let me say that again. Submission and humility for the purpose of the will of God being done. Now, first of all, verse 1, chapter 5, 2 Kings. Naaman, captain of the host of the kings of Syria, was a great man with his master, honorable because of him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. Now, just that that right there... Is a description of this man called Naaman. Now listen to it again. Listen to it again. Captain of the host—that means he's the dude. General, five star. This is General MacArthur. This is you know General Eisenhower. This this is this is the this is the guy right here. He's head of all the armies. Uh, he was a great man. Now whatever that means—that's that's, I mean that's you, you can fill in the blank there with whatever you want. He was a great man with his master, honorable. Because him by the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria, he was a mighty man in valor. So this is painting a picture of quite a guy. This guy's got some character. This guy's got some ambition. This guy's got some success behind him. Amen. This guy's got every reason to hold his head up. This guy's got the he's got the he's got the medals on his chest. He's got the, the the soldiers that 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 move when he barks at them. I mean, this guy's got it all. He's got it. There's only one other person in Syria bigger than him and that's the king. But he's got a problem. He's a leper. He has a leprosy. Back then, they leprosy, they thought God had cursed you. They saw it as a curse. They saw it as something very contagious. So, uh, with all of his success, there was an issue in his life that isolated him. He needed deliverance. He needed healing. Now notice this. It says, The Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Now, you can go back and read the history of this, how how they made uh, 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 an invasion into Israel, how how they captured some of the Israelites, they brought them back, and obviously they brought back a young lady, and this young lady obviously had some spiritual information. See, spiritual information is very unique, and back then it was very rare. Very rare. Spiritual information was very rare. Now notice what happens. And she said, or being this little lady, she said this. She said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Now, all of a sudden, this little maid has a testimony of the power of God. Now, I don't know what she may have witnessed. I don't know what she may have seen. I don't know... Uh, what may have happened, but some way or somehow in her life, she had either heard of or witnessed the power of God. You say, What do you mean by the power of God? Well, if she is saying that there's a prophet in Israel that can get a leper healed, she's talking about God doing something supernatural. Because there's no cure, she's not talking about there's a doctor over there that has a treatment, uh, there's a spa over there you can go sit in, there's a, there's a, you know, no, 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 that's not what she's saying. She's saying there's a prophet, and I'm telling you, he can get, he can get the master healed. Amen? So that's, that's good news. Everybody say good news. good news. Especially when you got leprosy. That's good news. So all of a sudden, uh, there's hope. There's reason to hope. Everybody say hope. hope. That's expectancy. Now notice this. Then one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid uh, that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go... Go to, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Now, don't get mad at the king, don't get mad at Naaman, and don't get mad at the king of Israel. They were just following the only protocol they knew. That's the only thing they knew to do. Uh, okay, there's a prophet in Israel. Got to go through authority to get to the prophet. So let's go to the king. I'm a king. He's a king. I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to send Naaman. Naaman's going to gather up. Now notice what he's doing. He's looking to pay for it. He's like, man, I'm going to get my stuff. I'm going to get my gold. I'm going to get my silver. I'm going to get a bunch of changes of clothes. I'm going to get all this stuff because if this guy's over here can really do this, I'm going to make sure I got everything I need to make it happen. Amen. I mean, this guy wants to get healed. Can you see his willingness to be healed? He has a willingness. He desires. I mean, you can imagine what it must have been like to have leprosy, especially back in that day. It says, it came to pass when the king of Israel uh, read the letter, he rent his clothes and said, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man send unto me uh, to recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. The king of Israel thought this was a trick or a trap. He thought, now this guy has come over here, and what he's doing is he's putting a demand on me. I can't meet. And he's doing He must be picking a fight. There's something going on here that is not right. He's picking a fight. He's doing something. Now, see, they're just staying on the level of the natural. These are proud men. These are kings, these are leaders, and I'm telling you, in none of these guys will you find any humility or submission in them at all. It's not there. Amen? It's been conditioned out of them, and rightly so. That's what they are. Leaders. Government leaders. Kings. Generals. Now notice what, this. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes that he sent unto the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now, notice he did not say, send him to me and I'm going to get him healed. He didn't say that. He said, send him to me, and he's going to know there's a prophet in Israel. So literally, Elisha is still on the level of making his God known. Everybody say, making his God known. Now, now notice this. It says, so Naaman came with his horses, with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Now, notice, this word gets good. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come upon thee, and thou shalt be clean. Now, so here, you can see him riding up there. I mean, he's probably on a big, beautiful horse. There's probably chariots around him. He's probably got got camels in tow that are loaded with the gold, loaded with the silver, and have all of the, the, the ten changes of raiment on those camels. He's coming up there with quite an entourage. And I guarantee you, it probably wouldn't be hard to pick out who Naaman was. He was probably the one dressed the nicest. He was probably the one that looked the nicest. He probably had an air of authority about him. He probably had an air of of importance about him. And he also had an expectation. We'll see that in just a minute. And when all of it, they all arrived, and I can see Naaman probably getting down off of his horse, dismounting, beginning to move toward the door of where Elisha is. And Elisha comes out the door. Not, excuse me, not Elisha, but his servant comes out the door. We know that to be Gehazi. Comes out the door and says, hey, the prophet just spoke to me and told me to tell you to go uh, dip in the Jordan River seven times. Now, the immediate response of Eli, uh, excuse me, of Naaman is something to notice. Amen. Now look at it. I think this is cool. Look at this. Verse 11. But Naaman was wrath, W-R-O-T-H, which means an extreme expression of anger. He got mad. Now wait a second, wait a second. Why are we here, first of all? Why are we here? We're here to get healed. We got leprosy. We're going to die with leprosy. Amen? So obviously, we'll see just in a moment, his expectation was not for that to happen. So when his expectation was not met by the correct performance, he was immediately angry. Don't blame Naaman. You say, well, that's very common among people. When their expectation... Of what they think should happen, the way they think it's going to happen, is not met. One of the first responses is a sudden rush of emotion. (laughs) Amen. And everybody looks so holy when you say, really? (laughs) Especially when it comes, now listen to me. We're studying what? How many remember what we're studying? We're studying the will of God. That is our main subject. And we're hitting all these sub-subjects to help you stay in the will of God. Especially if you think you know something. Or if you think you are somebody. Amen? He said, what do you mean by that? Every one of us, to some level or another, think we know something. And every one of us, to one level or another, think we are somebody. And whenever that is challenged, there may be a sudden rush of emotion. Amen? If you don't believe that, just let somebody off the street just walk up to you and start dressing you down. Man, you're the ugliest person I ever saw in my life. Man, you're so ugly, I could tie a punch chop around your neck and the dogs wouldn't even play with you. Amen? You smell, you look funny. You walk funny, you talk, man, your talk sounds like somebody scratching their fingernails on a... I mean, somebody could get your goat if they just kept digging at you, wouldn't they? And cause what? A sudden rush of emotion to come out of you because this challenge, when that guy walked out, the prophet didn't even come out. The king gave him an audience and ripped his clothes right in front of him. Elijah, he's still sitting back in the recliner, you know, watching the outdoor channel. He's not praying, he's not interceding, he's not worshiping God, he's not killing a lamb, he's not burning incense. He sends, the, hey, go out there and tell that guy, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Now, obviously, Naaman viewed that as an insult. I'm worthy of an audience. I'm worthy of somebody coming out and giving me the respect of who I am. Well, before God, nobody gets more respect than God. Who's trying to get you healed? The prophet has the power of God in his life to get leprosy off of you, and he has heard from God. What has God said? God has said, tell Mr. Naaman to go out and dip in the Jordan River seven times. Now notice this. Naaman got mad and went away and said, Behold, I thought... So his his thinking was twisted. Behold, I thought, he shall surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. He had a pre-existing idea in his mind of how things should go. He had a plan. And one of the number one things that will literally prick you in your pride is when your plan does not work when it comes to God. God, this is how I want you to do it. I want you to do it A, B, C, D. I don't want you to move me to Galveston. I don't want you to, I don't want you to send me to the Dominican Republic. I don't want to have to go to Ireland. I don't, want, I don't want to... See, we come up with all these ways we think, this is how God really should do it. He should allow me to this. He should allow me to that. And then some little preacher comes out and says, thus saith the Lord. And all of a sudden, You're mad because you've got it all figured out in your mind, I thought this is how God was going to do it. Amen? I mean, I've been there. I'm telling you from experience. When God comes up with a way that you've not been imagining or thinking, and all of a sudden that way is placed into your life, listen, it will cause, it, here is a time in which one of two things are going to happen. Either God's going to use the pressure of that situation to develop your character in a greater measure, or you're going to step back from it and miss out, what, miss out on what God wants to do in your life, and your character is going to step, take a step down instead of a step up. Man, this, this is the guy. Do, do we need to go back to verse 1 and read it again? This is the guy who is the captain of the host, a great man, honorable God had given, I mean, uh, the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria through him, and he was a mighty man of valor. How dare them send a servant out and tell me to go dip in the muddy, stinking Jordan River. When the whole time I've been riding here from Syria on my horse, I've been thinking about how the prophet was going to come out in all his regalia. And he was going to lay his hands on me, And get me healed. I remember the first time I was a Bible school student at Lakewood Church, 1984, on a Wednesday night. And there were probably 300 people in the altar for healing. And and literally, that, that was Pastor Doty's, still is Pastor Doty's, ministry. Many times, Brother John would just sit back on the platform or sit down. And she and her prayer partners would minister. And so she's up there and I'm sitting kind of, they, the, they, they had a, uh, the platform was here and the seats went around like this. I'm sitting on the front row on this side. And so she prayed for three or four people. Then she just kind of stepped through the crowd. She said, now, Rusty, come up here and help me minister to these people because you're going to be doing this the rest of your life. So I was so excited. Man, I'm telling you, I jumped up there. And I remember the first person that I looked at to lay hands on. They were like this. <laughs> They didn't come to Lakewood Church to have a Bible school student lay hands on them. No, they did not. And do you think Pastor Doty patronized them? She saw that look on that face. She didn't bat an eye. She just kept on going down, and I started praying, going down the road just praying. And I'll tell you about three out of four of every one of them gave me that same look. Gave me that same look. They had it all figured out. Listen, you can't figure out, God, how God's going to do something in your life, how God's going to bless you in that life. And literally the resistance in us many times is our lack of submission and our lack of humility. There's no submission in, in, in Naaman. There's no humility in it. He is a rightfully proud general of many men and honorable. Amen? Amen? But you've got to understand there are, there are character principles in the kingdom of God that you have to force yourself into in order to receive from Him in greater and greater levels. Some of the most humble, submissive men I've ever met were the men that were at the top of the game in ministry. Oral Roberts. I, I, I spent, for two years, I spent a lot of time with Dr. Roberts. and I'm t- You can ask me if she spent time with him too. He was so humble. He was one of the most humble. You never thought... I'll never forget, we're driving to the airport. Second or third time I was driving him to the airport. And this is Oral Roberts. This is Oral Roberts. You know, the Oral Roberts University, Crusades. So we're sitting, I'm driving, and I said, uh, I said, Dr. Roberts, I've got a problem. He said, what's the problem, Rusty? I said, I have to take Oral Roberts through the Houston airport. He laughed. He opened his briefcase. He pulled out this big floppy hat, had a long, like a fishing hat, had a long bill, and ear flaps over it. And then he put these big, goofy sunglasses on, and he looked at me and goes, how are we doing now? (laughs) I said, I guess we'll give it a try, you know. So we're walking through, and he, he was, remember, he was a little weak back then. He'd gone through some physical problems, he was holding my arm, we're going through, and only one lady came up to him, and he was so kind to her, and so nice, she thanked him and she had seen him in a crusade back in the 50s and, and he was just kind as he could be. And so I got to the, to the, to the uh, uh, it was a Continental Airline flight back to Long Beach. Their home was in Long Beach back then. And I uh, got to the, to the desk where you check in. And so I went up to the desk and I said, you know, I've got this gentleman with me and he needs help uh, uh, getting on the plane. He's got a first class seat. Do you mind if I take him down the jetway and get him in his seat? And she was like, no, we can't do that. It's not time to load yet. And she just went and just, you know, was kind of rude to me. And so we sat down. I sat him down. And so I went back up there by myself. And I leaned over. I said, ma'am, are you a Christian? She says, yeah. I said, look at that man right there. And so she looked. And she goes, oh, my God. That's all Roberts. I said, now can we load? get on the plane <laughs> right now? I mean we just got went right down got him loaded on the plane. but he was so kind he never said a cross word he was so humble I mean it was just an amazing uh, 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 manifestation of of character in a man of God it impressed me just that one event impressed me so here's Naaman and he's struggling because he's got his pride he's got his pride he's got his authority but he's got his leprosy amen now notice this this is interesting isn't this amazing how God puts this stuff together? It says, uh, let me find it here. It says, it came to pass when the king of Israel, well, we've got that, we did that one. It said, when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel did that one. Naaman came with his horses and his chariot, stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be healed. Naaman was wroth, went away, said, behold, I thought, everybody say, I thought, he will surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God. Strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not the Arbana and Farfar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? So not only did he have a plan A, on the, on the fly he had a plan B. Well, he should. He's a military guy. So he's used to improv- you know, improvising. You know. So he's just, he's just flowing In his giftings and what he does. He says, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, okay, the Jordan, all right. I can stay, You know, I'm going to take a step toward him. I'm going to take a step toward him. Can't I go down to my own river? Now, I know he's telling me to go dip in a river. can can I? Well, see, if God would have compromised that, then it wouldn't have been seven times. It would have been three. Because that's why God doesn't change. That's why God doesn't compromise. Because he doesn't want you to try to talk him out of the method in which he's doing what he's doing in your life. Amen. Amen. Are not the Arnon and Farfar rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in a rage. Well, I'm telling you. Now, what was fueling that rage, and what was fueling that 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 anger, was literally his defiance to what the man of God said. But it wasn't just what the man of God had said, it was what God had said. So actually right now, he's in unbelief. He's in full-on, flat-out unbelief. But you know, literally, in, 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 in an instant of time, you can go from unbelief into belief. It's not some long process of agonizing repentance. You can literally have a mindset change and go literally from unbelief right into belief and get your miracle. Right then and there. But see, that all of those pride fights it, fear fights it. All kinds of things in our fallen human nature, which in our soul. That's why it's so important to renew your mind with the word of God. So important to pray. So important to come to church. So important to do all those things that are the spiritual things in your life because it chops away at the pride, at the lack of submission, at the lack of humility. It chops away at that as you begin to see the benefits of of submitting and humility. You see the benefits of it. Amen. Now notice this. This is pretty cool. It says, and his servant came near and spake unto him. Thank God for good staff, for good people that are around you. They could have just patronized him, agreed with him. Hey, man, I hear you, man. I can't believe that scene back at that prophet's house. I'm t- I've never been so offended in my life. Who, does, who do they think they are? Who do they think they are? Don't they know you're naming can't they see the horse you ride? The medals on your chest? All the camels behind? Don't they know? We came prepared for this. We got plans. <laughs> Amen? But here comes a servant. Now let me tell you, you've got a servant. Let me tell you, you've got a servant called the Holy Ghost. And if you learn to listen to the Holy Ghost, I'm, if you learn to listen to the Holy Ghost, without an edit machine in your mind. Because a lot of people got this edit machine in their mind and the Spirit of God speaks something and by the time it gets to your brain, it's been so twisted and contorted, you really can't even tell it's the Spirit of God anymore. you got to learn how to hear from God and keep it God. Keep it God. Everybody say, keep it God. God. I found this out a long time ago. God never speaks to me about other people. You say, what do you mean by that? You gave me a word. I'm not talking about gifts of the Spirit. When God deals with me, you know who He deals with? He deals with me. He deals with me. And when God deals with you, He deals with you. What we do many times is we pray and we talk to God and we say, now God, you need to deal with so-and-so and and you need to deal with that person and this person and that person. And then God will say something to us and we think, well, that's what they need to hear. (laughs) No, that's what you need to hear. I don't know how many people over the years after a message that I preach would run up and say, I've got to get that CD. I got, ain't, ain't Bobby at home. She's got to hear this. I'm thinking, it ain't, ain't Bobby that needs it. <laughs> Amen. People do it all the time. No, it's you that need to hear. Isn't it amazing how we can always analyze and flip things around and see it in the light of what someone else needs instead of seeing it in the light of what we need. Thank God for the servants. Thank God for the servant. Now, here comes the servant. Listen to what he says. Servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing. Now, this literally cracked his pride. Great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he said to thee, wash and be clean? So what he did, this has to be the Spirit of God working through this servant. Because what is this guy used to doing? What is he used to doing? What is his job description? He is the doer of great things. Amen? That's why we always lean toward our strengths. But see, the enemy always attacks you in your weakness. So what God will do is he'll just let you flounder in your strengths till you get over in the area of your weakness because that's where God wants you humble and submitted so he can develop your character. So you won't be weak where you're weak. You'll be strong. I know the Bible says let the weak say I'm strong, but the reason it says that is because God wants to be your strength in your life. And anywhere God is the strength of your life is a place of total dependence on him. And there's a problem with a lot of people in Actually being, a pla- being in a place of total dependence. We well, don't have an option. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, I've been doing this 35 years. I can't go out and get a job. Well, what, what kind of resume am I going to write? I've been preaching and laying hands on the sick and casting out devils for 35 years. I, I'd like to come work at your lumber yard. Yeah. God wants to take you so far into His will that there ain't no no way out. And a lot of people don't like that. They like to stay right on the edge where they can exercise the just in case. Just in case. I actually had somebody say this to me one time. I've got to have something to fall back on. A preacher said that to me when I've got to have something to fall back on. Well, what is that saying about your God? Amen? I've got to have something to fall back on. God likes to get you in a place of total dependence upon him because in being in a place of total dependence you're going to have to submit yourself you're going to have to humble yourself there's going to be events in your life in which god is trying and pressing and there's pressure you think why am i going to lord what are you doing and he's pressing out all of the pride the fear the defiance the rebellion getting it out of you so he can bless you This is the key key to breakthrough right here. This guy's fixing to get a breakthrough. When this young servant appealed to the nature that made him who he was, he saw himself in his own pride. I guarantee he came to himself and said, yep. Now, if he'd have told me to go over there and win that city, man, I'd have never thought twice. If he'd have told me to go... Whip a giant or do this or do, Man, I'd tell you, I'd have went over there and I'd have showed him what a But see, if he just said, go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times, I can't see the logic in that. It doesn't make sense. There's better rivers. And anyway, while we're on the subject, I thought, I thought, I thought, yeah. and you can spend your life, you can spend your life trying to justify yourself on the level of your I-thoughts. So, in reality, here, let me boil it all the way down to what God's saying. You ready? You might not like it. Here's what God's saying. Why can't you just do what you're told? That doesn't feel good, does it? (laughs) People are like, what did you just say? Why can't? You just do what you're told. Well, you're just trying to control me. Why can't you just do what you're told? We don't believe like that where I come from. Why can't you just do what you're told? They didn't do that the, the last church I was at. Why can't you just do what you do? T- well, I don't see it like that in the Bible. Why can't you just do? See, and it, the more you say it, the more it kinda, it's kind of like poison ivy getting on you. <laughs> it's kind of like. I've actually had God say that to me in prayer trying to argue him out of something he told me to do. And he would say to me, why can't you just do what I'm telling you to do? It's so simple. It's so simple. You want your breakthrough? You want your finances to come in? You want your healing? You want it? Then just... Go dip in the Jordan River seven. Can you count? Seven times. So now he has to do what? He has to humble himself. He has to become submissive in front of all of his servants, his subordinates, everybody else around him. But he has an issue. Keep your pride, keep your arrogance, keep your defiance, keep your leprosy. Get rid of your pride, get rid of your defiance, get rid of your arrogance, get rid of your leprosy. It's your choice. Well, we know the rest of the story. He went down, he dipped in the river seven times, and the Bible says he came out and his flesh was like the flesh of a child. God did a total look. Look, look how it didn't take him long to get the breakthrough. It wasn't hours of Bible school and years of of agonizing and interceding. No, it was just one little adjustment that he made. You ready? Know did uh, this might be profound. It's really deep. You ready? He did what he was told. He said, "Now, come on, pastor. It's not that simple. Hold on now." He just did what he was told, and guess what? It worked. <laughs> he humbled himself, submitted himself to the word of the prophet. Now, pride, you know, I've heard before. You know, pride always tastes bitter when you have to swallow it. But that's all right. You'll get used to it. Maybe you'll develop a taste for swallowing it. Amen? Because there's no pride that's good. There's no pride that's good. No, Aren't you just proud of God? No, I'm thankful. Aren't you just proud of our youth? No, I'm thankful for them. Aren't you just proud of them? No, no. You've got to understand, God built in thankfulness to get rid of pride. Because God hates it. He absolutely hates it. Because it's the one element that got into our adversary, the devil, that caused iniquity to be formed. When he quit looking at God and started looking himself, he began to see himself through his own eyes, and pride and iniquity was formed on the inside of him, and he became a selfish being. And you got to understand, church, we live in a society where pride is celebrated. How many fill-in-the-blank pride parades do we have? And you can fill them in with some of the most tame to some of the most perverse things you can think of. Amen? It's celebrated. Arrogance is celebrated. All that stuff is celebrated. That's because it's the world and the world system, and it's just like the devil. And you have a choice where you can be just like the devil or you can be just like your master, who was the most humble, the most submitted being in the universe. And the payoff was what? Philippians 2. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee must bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. Amen? Amen. That help you tonight? Amen. Lift up your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for submitted, humble hearts. I can't, I can't pray for the congregation. That's for me, Father. That's where I'm focusing. It's upon my own heart. For my heart to be humble. For my, for my mind to be humble, for, my, for myself to be submitted to what you say. So I will be willing to just, to just do what you say. To just do what you say. To be, as it says in Isaiah, willing and obedient so that I might eat the fat of the lamb. Everybody lift your hands. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, areas of my life where I've been in pride, haven't been humble, haven't been submitted, I ask your forgiveness thanking you. The blood of Jesus has already cleansed me from all sin and all unrighteousness. I know, Father, humility, pride, humility, submission is not an emotion. I thank you, Father, for those character traits of my Lord and Savior being developed in me. I will humble myself. I will submit myself. I will do it to your word, O Lord. I will do it to the spirit that is in me and upon me. And I will do it to those you place over me. Thank you, Father. My breakthrough is upon me. I will do what you say in Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name. Now, Lord, we thank you Lord, we've already prayed during prayer this, morning, this, uh, this evening over our island, this weekend, all these things that go on. But Father, over the congregation, we thank you also tonight for protection, safety in this, in this weather, this fog. We declare no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Thank you, Father, whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation. Thank you, Father, we're protected. And the righteous labor of our hands handling the resource that you've given us. Thank you, Father. We're not subject to accidents, trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. Thank you that we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you for our team leaving tomorrow. No problems with their flights. Father, we thank you no problem with luggage any tools or equipment they may need, Father, we thank you. Your grace and divine favor is upon them that all they put their hand to will prosper, that you'll give them ideas, insights, and concepts that will quicken their pace and cause the work that they do not to be a natural but a supernatural job. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for the door of utterance. Let us always remember we are called as your people to be ministers of reconciliation, to be ministers of restoration, to be ministers of encouragement. So we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com Hallelujah Jesus